0: If you have your Bibles today, let's turn to John, the nineteenth chapter. John nineteen, and yes, uh, th- this Sunday we're gonna we're gonna uh, take a, a short pause from our series in Romans. On this particular Sunday, it, it, uh, I was telling Jim I, I had Romans second chapter, and that's what I was working on last night. But then picking out songs for today, and. It, it seems like every time we come to Communion Sunday, let's talk about the cross. Let's talk about what He did, and I and I know I was trying to force Romans to 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 make it uh, say all the things I wanted to do about the cross. But but we are here today at one of the scenes that took place at the cross of Jesus Christ, and and yes, on on the calendar here in the United States. Uh, we have, as they say, one of those hallmark holidays. It is Mother's Day, and, and, and we would say uh, Happy Mother's Day to the mothers that are here. And, and, um, and I will say this, the, the biblical standard that we go by is honor your father and mother For that is a commandment with a promise. So that your days may be long upon the earth. So I can say this without a shadow of a doubt. Scripture says, children, honor your mother. And be obedient. Do what she says. And and help make her life a little more easy. Honor her. Honor her. And here's a scene of the cross where the mother of Jesus is there at the cross So let's go to John 19, verses 25 through 27. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, His mother, and His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved, and this is John, and the disciple whom He loved standing by, He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. So let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. And we just ask, as the old Puritan prayer says, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us, and who we are not, make us. For Christ's sake and in his name I pray, amen. Now, consider the agony of this moment. Those of you that are here this morning and and you are mothers, consider the agony of, of being there and looking up and seeing your son crucified. Enduring the most extreme suffering that anyone has ever or will ever face. Her son, pierced for our transgressions. You know, we didn't, didn't sing that little chorus this morning. Maybe we could do it now. I, I didn't put the words there, Chase. That by his wounds. By his wounds. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. For our sins. The punishment that brought us peace. Was upon him. And by his wounds. By his wounds. We are healed. Do that part again. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace. Was upon him. And by his wounds. By his wounds. We are healed. Now let me pause here and say this. Put yourself in the verses that you're singing. He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my sin. The punishment that brought me peace. Child of God. Was upon him. And by his wounds. I was healed. Is that talking of physical healing? No. What's it talking of? Spiritual healing. It's talking of spiritual healing. Oh, is he a great physician that can heal physically? Yes, he can. But oh, don't take that verse that that comes from out of context. That's talking of spiritual identity now with Christ. We are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you gave. We are healed, for you paid the price. By your grace, we are saved. We are saved. One more time. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds by his wounds we are healed so Mary looking up at her son pierced for our transgressions the punishment that brought us peace christ bearing the penalty for sin the wrath of god poured out upon his only begotten son so that we might live second corinthians 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he, who's this he? This is God. This is God. For he, God, made him, who's the him? Jesus Christ, his son. For he, God, made him, Jesus Christ, his son, who knew no sin to be what? You say it. Sin. To be sin. For us. For me. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And we talked about that earlier in some of the songs we sang. Oh, we, those who are born again, we are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And can stand one day before God the Father, holy, blameless, and above reproach, not because of anything that we have done other than surrendering to Him, other than receiving and believing the gift that was given to us. It's Him. It's Him. The wrath of Almighty God poured out upon Jesus Christ as He bore the penalty for sin for all who would believe that all might come to Him. Mary, watching her Son, enduring the cross. Now, I want us to go back from this point, some 33 years And a young mother and father entered the temple court in Jerusalem. Only 40 days prior had she given birth to her son Jesus. They had made the journey from Bethlehem to dedicate their firstborn son to the Lord. And inside their temple, inside the temple, they, they encountered an elderly uh, man named Simeon and the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until after he had seen the Messiah, the Lord's Christ. Now, did the Holy Spirit move on the earth before Jesus ascended? Oh, yes. Yes. Don't don't ever think that the Holy Spirit hadn't been here on the earth and moving upon the earth beforehand. And so here we are at this day. Let's go to Luke, the second chapter, verses 28 through 35. Luke the second chapter 28 through 35 the, the blessing that god had promised simeon is is about to happen and he took him simeon took jesus up in his arms and blessed god and said lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation See? Isn't this amazing? How did he know this? The Spirit of God told him who he was holding, of who this was. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. God revealed this to Simeon. That, that this child was coming, not just for the Jews. Even here was revealed to Simeon. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Mary, his mother. Now, let me pause here for just a minute. Simeon had just finished this hymn of praise to God, giving thanks to Almighty God. Then he blesses the couple, and now he turns specifically to Mary. Do you see that? He turns specifically to Mary and delivers a, a shocking warning to her a foreshadow of the opposition that Jesus will face in his life that that we know culminated with his rejection and with his crucifixion. So verse 34, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, why specific message to Mary? And we know that the Holy Spirit was directing these words of Simeon, and we also know from Scripture that, that the last time we have a gospel account of Joseph is when Jesus is 12 years old and is in the temple. That's the last account that we have of Joseph. And, and, and many believe that Joseph somewhere in the midst of this had passed away. He's no longer there. At, at the marriage um, celebration where Jesus turned the water into wine, Mary was there, Joseph wasn't. And so many uh, presume that Joseph had died uh, sometime before Jesus began his public ministry. And so these final words of Simeon went to the parent who was going to need it. That was going to be there at the time when all of this was going to culminate. And perhaps these words are given to help Mary prepare for what she will see her son endure and also for what she was going to endure. Now, Let's fast forward back 33 years. Perhaps at that moment, when that soldier pierced the side of Jesus as he hung on the cross, perhaps then Mary remembers what Simeon had said. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Can you imagine... What this mother was going through. Seeing what was happening upon that cross and what they were doing to her son. That little baby that she once held. That little baby that they took to Simeon. (laughs) I don't know, just me talking about that Mark Lowry song, Mary, did you know, popped into my mind. I don't know if it did you. And there they are. The sign above Jesus' head reads, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, King of the Jews. But for Mary, that's Jesus, her son. Perhaps her mind did go back to when he was 12 years old. Let's go to Luke, second chapter. Well, we're still there. Let's jump down to verse 41. Verse 41. Let's read that account. 41 through 52. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he, this we're talking of Jesus, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the baby Jesus, the boy, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph his and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the Teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him was astonished by his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, this is when Mary and Joseph saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Parents, put yourself in their shoes. They're they're traveling. They're a day's journey in, in this company of people with, with family and other friends. Well, hey, how's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Oh, he's not here. Can, can you imagine? And what Jesus say? Verse 49. And he said to them, why do you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statements which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Mom kept all these things in her heart. Mom watched her son increase in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. And now is watching him die. Perhaps now she truly understands what he said when he was 12 years old. I must be about my father's business. Now from the cross, Jesus sees his mother and John the disciple who he loved, and he makes this declaration, John 19, verse 26, 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the, that disciple, John, took her, took Mary to his own home. Now, I believe here's an example from Jesus Christ hanging on the cross that we should never stop honoring our mother. In His dying moments, consider this, in His dying moments, what does He do? He makes provision for His mother. At this time, we would presume that Mary, to be in her mid to late 40s, perhaps, early 50s, and presuming that she is a widow. And it's though Jesus is saying, Mother, I'm leaving you now But John is going to take my place. He will be your son now. Woman, behold your son. Now understand, he's not saying, woman, look at me. That's, That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look at your son. Look at your new son. Look at John. And then Jesus says to John, behold your mother. He's saying, John, my mother will now be your mother. Take care of her. Provide for her. The expression of love of Jesus for His own and I believe that that expression of endearing love extends to us. Because Jesus came as an example, didn't He? That we look to Him as an example. Jesus' expression of love from the cross is immeasurable, isn't it? <laughs> the old hymn popped in my mind there. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song o love of god how rich and pure How measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. John 15 verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as i have loved you brothers and sisters how much did christ love you <laughs> can you measure it immeasurable immeasurable love that you love one another as i have loved you greater love has no one than this than to lay down his own his to lay down one's life for his friends Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Child of God, Jesus Christ laid down His life for you. No greater love. Let's go to Romans 5. We will get some Romans in today. Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Let me pause there. In the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. In due time. In God's timing. In God's perfect timing. Jesus came and was born. In God's perfect timing. All the events transpired that led to His death upon the cross. In God's timing. In due time. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for sinners. I've referenced the children of God several times today, but to anyone who is yet lost in their sin, Jesus died for sinners. And the question would come, and it has to begin, with a recognition of sin. And I would ask the question, if you're without Christ, do you know, do you believe that you're a sinner? And the answer I've gotten to that question many times, well, I'm a good person. And then you have to go through and help them to see that no, they're not. According to God's standard, no. Have you perfectly kept His commandments? And you can walk through those. And no one, I don't believe anyone, will ever admit that they fully keep every commandment. And so in light of being a commandment breaker, then you're a sinner. And if a sinner someday will stand before most holy God, what will be your plea? See, is there a recognition of sin before a most holy God? Because I guarantee you this, if there's not a recognition while here on this earth, there will be someday standing before the throne of God because every knee will bow in recognition of who He is. And for many, it will be too late. It will be too late at that point. So do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ you believe that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross that your sins can be forgiven if you would believe and repent? Let's read John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why? Why? Why, would, why must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross? that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him, in Christ, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And as we've been preaching over the last several weeks from chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2 in Romans, this is not a place you want to be under the wrath of God. So the question is, do you believe? And some will say, yeah, I believed. I believed once. Now wait, wait, wait. But are you still believing? and does your life bear witness that you are believing that you are a believer are you yet in your sin and you practice sin and that's all you do and there's no been no change of behavior no change of heart and all you've done is said yeah i believe well you know what even even uh, satan and his demons believe and tremble because they know they know what their end will be one day the lake of fire and many on this earth will flippantly say i believe but they don't grasp what is coming let's read romans 10 9 through 13 that if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead you will be what saved saved from what saved from wrath Saved from wrath. Many will say, Saved from my sin. Well, yeah, yeah. But you're being saved from the wrath of God that will one day fall upon all unbelievers. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. By grace, we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. That, that faith wasn't us. We didn't conjure that up. That faith is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. I pray you have received the gift of God. That you have received faith. That you have received Christ. That you have believed, that you've called upon Him, that that you have repented of your sin. And and what does that mean to repent? That means to do a 180. I was once walking in that direction, but no longer now I'm going this way and following Him. Will there be a change of behavior in in a new born-again Christian? Yes, there will. Because we're a new creation. We're no longer the same. Oh, we may still battle some old Baggage. Don't don't ever think that that baggage just goes away. And and, and it was talked about all that we fight the fight of faith. We fight the fight of faith in the midst of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, even just now as we pause to pray, we give thanks for the cross of Jesus Christ. that, that, That we should boast in nothing less than Jesus' blood, and righteousness that that we would boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ and what He has done. And so I pray even now as we prepare to uh, come to the the communion table that, Lord, You will bring us to scenes of the cross, that You will bring us to the upper room as Jesus talked about what was coming and, and of this, This example that He left for us that we could partake in to remember Him. And Lord, so for every child of God that is here, I pray that You would help them to remember. Remember where they once were apart from Christ. And to remember now who they are in Christ. And that they would be forever grateful. And Lord, again, should there be someone under the hearing of this sermon that is yet lost without Christ, I pray, Lord, by a miracle of mercy, by a miracle of salvation that only you can wrought by the power of your Spirit and the truth of your Word, Lord, that you would shine light into a dark place, that you would open eyes to see you and your holiness and glory and in seeing your holiness and righteousness, that they would see their sin, And in light of their sin before a most holy God, they would have no other recourse than to fall before you, crying out to you. Believing, receiving, and repenting. Turning from their sin and following Christ. So Lord, have mercy. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.